It's week 50 of 2021. I'm Smitha Nair. This is your Weekly Fix. About 40 cases of the Omicron variant of COVID have been detected across India. Worryingly, the variant Initial evidence shows evades vaccine protection and has been characterized by the World Health Organization as posing a very high global risk. While it is yet to become the dominant strain in India, the variant has been spreading rapidly in places like the United Kingdom. In London, Omicron accounted for 44% of infections and is projected to become the dominant strain. Britain reported the first death from Omicron earlier this week. No details, including age or vaccination status of the patient, has been made public. That said, data on severity of disease if infected by Omicron is limited. While the need to have boosters was already being spoken about pre-Omicron, the conversation has now gained urgency given the ability of this variant to evade vaccine protection. So, In India, if you're fully vaccinated, having had two doses of either Covishield or Covaxin, does it not afford any protection at all against Omicron? Or does it still protect against severe disease? Is there indeed a scientific consensus that neither Covishield, known as the AstraZeneca vaccine in the United Kingdom, nor Covaxin are effective as booster doses? Dr. Rajiv Jayadevan will answer these questions for us. He's vice chairman, research cell, Kerala State IMA, also former president of the Indian Medical Association Cochin chapter. Dr. Jayadevan, thank you for making the time. Thank you. The WHO has said that the Omicron variant has now been detected in more than 70 countries. But all available data so far shows that in most countries, including in India, Delta is still the dominant variant. Is that correct? Do we know if Omicron is likely to outpace Delta anytime soon? Well, as it stands, we know that Omicron is spreading fast and multiple studies have pointed in the same direction. The question whether it outpaces Delta or replaces Delta are out there that need answers. I don't have an answer for you, but to the limit of our understanding in India, Delta is the dominant variant. In fact, up until two weeks ago, more than 99% of sequenced variants had been Delta all around the world. So clearly there is an interest in Omicron. So so, um, that will contribute perhaps a little bit more Omicron cases to the GISED genomic database, more so than Delta. Hmm. But we will know the answer to that only in the subsequent weeks to months as to how quickly it will replace Delta if it ever will. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jadevan, can it conclusively be stated at this point that the Omicron variant, while highly transmissible, is a milder variant in that it causes milder illness as the evidence provided by Discovery Health and South Africa Medical Research Council study suggests? Yes. The information from South Africa Uh, which is what sparked the interest in Omicron variant around the world, initially stated that most of the cases that they identified were 
among unvaccinated, relatively younger individuals as defined as, let's say, age below 50. Now, we know that any variant for that matter, or even the original Wuhan version, hmm. would cause only mild illness if you take a thousand people under the age of 50. If you see their profile of infections, almost all of them will be mild, except for a few that turn serious in select situations. Okay. But if you look at the same situation in the age group from 50 to 100, you will see a marked difference. And that is really what separates the COVID-19 pandemic from anything else that humanity has ever seen, because there's an exponential increase in severity and bad outcomes as we go with age. So, for instance, to make it clear for our listeners, a 75-year-old individual with COVID-19 is more than 200 times more likely to have a bad outcome compared to a 25-year-old with COVID-19. And this gradient, I repeat, gradient exists even among fully vaccinated individuals. Okay. In other words, even if a fully vaccinated 75-year-old is much protected against the variant or COVID-19 compared to an unvaccinated 75-year-old, that's at least by a factor of 10, such a person is still more likely to have a problem compared to a younger person who is also vaccinated. So this, this will explain uh, the apparent paradox of um, Omicron causing mild illness, I say within quotes. The truth is, we don't have information on the latter half of the age group. Hmm. I believe that we will get that information in the next couple of months as the virus gets a chance to infect older people, if you will, and we get a chance to study their outcomes. Now, in that age group, the older one gets, the more likely there will be a bad outcome. So, for instance, if this virus spreads in a community where older people predominantly live in a neighborhood, yes, there will be worse outcomes in that area. When you study only that area, or if you talk to a doctor that predominantly sees seniors, you may get a different perspective compared to a doctor who sees only children who almost never have a problem with this virus. So, um, so the answer to your question about this variant being milder, I would not jump into such a conclusion. Now, that doesn't mean that I believe it is more serious. We simply do not have that information. Okay. And early in a pandemic, it's very early or early during an outbreak. It's quite common for people to jump into conclusions based on, uh, let's say, patchy uh, data. Okay. Um, is there any way to know if the Indian experience with Omicron will be the same as that of the United Kingdom? Uh, either way, what do we know for certain about waning vaccine immunity? As in, what level of protection does our two-dose vaccinated population have against the existing dominant strain Delta? Uh, for how much longer will this immunity last? Uh, because even before the emergence of Omicron, there was some data from the United Kingdom, for instance, that showed vaccine protection declining after 90 days. So the question is, would we Indians need booster doses anyway to be protected against Delta or Omicron? Okay, so this question has multiple facets. So I think we must address each of these aspects separately. Hmm. So first, for our, for our listeners, I'll say this as to what 
exactly vaccine protection means. Now, we know it is not the same as measles virus or polio virus. Say, for example, if you vaccinate someone against, say, measles, that person is protected for a lifetime. That person will never get the infection again. And the same thing with polio, with extremely rare exceptions. So let's not talk about the exceptions here. Let's just call it 100%. Hmm. Coronaviruses are known, one thing, and that is they cause repeated infections in the same community over and over. And that is the that is the trait of family. And this particular virus comes from that family. So clearly this virus is showing a cyclical tendency across the world. Okay. So now, as far as vaccine protection goes, for coronavirus, the vaccines that are generated are what is called systemic vaccines, which are basically injectable vaccines. They're all injected into the muscle. And in the muscle, our immune, uh, let's say, surveillance officers, they're called dendritic cells. They are traveling cells. They go to the site of the crime. They'll pick up the clues and they will travel all the way back to the headquarters, which is the lymph node. So our lymph nodes are located, for example, in the axilla, in the armpit. So these dendritic cells will carry the information to the armpit. And in the armpit are located these training centers are called lymph nodes. And lymph nodes will train our immune cells, which are called the B cells and the T cells, to recognize this so-called foreign invader. It's completely new to man. Hmm. And once this infect, this um, training um, is completed, uh, these cells will remain active for a while, say for a few weeks, and then many of them will realize there's no infection anymore. The body is safe and they will either die off on their own, which is called apoptosis. Okay. And some will retire and live forever in different parts of the body. Predominantly, they live either in the bone marrow, in the cells, uh, or in the blood, or in the tissues. The, these memory cells have nothing to do except to watch for the next sign of infection if it ever happens. And if that happens, these cells will explode into action. Literally, they will explode into action without any delay. And that is why people who are vaccinated, uh, even though they may pick up a mild infection in the nose and throat, they are protected from severe disease. Okay. Now, people have difficulty understanding these concepts, and that is why they jump into conclusions when they say vaccines are not working or uh, people are getting infected. So when we say people are getting infected, Remember, the virus enters through a particular gate in the body, and that particular gate, this particular virus uses what is called the uh, nasopharyngeal mucosa, or the nose and the mouth. The lining inside the nose and throat is the gate of this virus. Okay. See, uh, I'm a gastroenterologist. The viruses that I deal with commonly, say hepatitis A virus, enters through the gut mucosa. Right. So different viruses enter through different gates in the body. Hmm. Unfortunately, the vaccines we give do not guard the gate of entry. They do guard our organs like our heart, our lungs, our nervous system, our gut, uh, and other tissues. But they are not good at increasing the security in the main gate. So the virus is still able to get into the main gate. But as soon as it gets past the main gate, the trained immune cells come and attack it and it gets, it gets rid of it before it gets a chance to cause death or disease. And that is how vaccines are protecting people all around the world now. Hmm. So in other words, we are not going to want a tailor-made vaccine for every variant that comes along the way. At least that is not the evidence so far. Remember, the vaccines we have were made on the original virus that came out. And since then, there have been a few variations. 
but that template is preserved and our immune memory to that template is what is protecting us even from a distinctly different variant called the Delta variant. Remember, we have over 90, 94% protection against hospitalization against the Delta variant. And this vaccine was not even made against the Delta variant, right? So that is the first thing we must understand, that a vaccine made against a virus will continue to protect us against severe disease in the long term. And to this day, there has been no decline in that aspect of protection. But coming to infection, which is defined as entry of the virus into the main gate, as uh, evidenced by as a runny nose or a, a bit of a body ache, a little bit of a fever, a bit of a cough, a sore throat, loss of smell. Yes, that can still happen. And we are yet to produce a vaccine that's commercially available that can increase our what is called mucosal protection. Now, that is where natural infection comes in. Remember, a huge number of people around the world, uh, particularly in countries like ours, have been naturally infected. And all of these individuals have acquired what is called mucosal immunity. It is no rocket science. You know why they get mucosal immunity? It is simple, because for these individuals, the virus entered through the main gate. And when the virus enters through the main gate, the main gates get naturally protected. So they have good mucosal immunity. But this immunity also will gradually wane. So in these individuals who've received at least one dose of vaccine, uh, if not two, they will develop what's called hybrid immunity. So they have the best of both immunities. They have good mucosal immunity and they have good systemic immunity, which is the second kind. That is the kind that protects our heart and lungs. So back to your question, will these vaccines continue to protect? Definitely, yes. They will continue to protect against severe disease. Uh, vaccines, as I mentioned already, will not protect you from picking up an infection. I'll explain why. India rolled out vaccines in the second to third week of January. The earliest cases of breakthrough infections were reported in April within 18 to 37 days of receiving the uh, booster dose. Now, let me take you back. That report has been published, in fact, in the Hindu and also as a preprint uh, by Vinod Skaria and co. And they did a study on breakthrough infections in Kerala that happened among healthcare workers, and they found it was actually due to the alpha variants. Now, mm. Let's fast forward to the present-day scenario in South Africa, where a group of seven individuals from Germany were visiting South Africa. Now, out of the seven people, uh, a few of them were on vacation. I think two of them, uh, three of them were on vacation, and four of them were uh, doing what is called clinical electives in the South Africa hospitals. And these were people, young people, healthy individuals who had received three doses of Pfizer vaccine uh, up until recently, okay, 25 to 39-year-old 30, youngsters who went, young people who went to South Africa from Germany, all seven of them, in spite of being, as they say, recently boosted, they picked up the Omicron variant. See, this comes as no surprise to people who understand immunology, because being boosted does not mean that you will not pick up the infection. The question we do not know the answer we do not know about boosters is whether they do anything more uh, to protect our organs any further. It is believed widely that two doses of vaccine are enough to protect our internal organs permanently. Okay. Now, will a third dose increase that protection? Nobody has ever proven such a fact. So it is believed that two doses are adequate. But that brings us to why 
people are picking up infections. It is not simply because of waning immunity that people are picking up infections. Infections are caused by multiple factors. For example, how people behave. Are they having parties? Are they having indoor gatherings? So you're saying there's no need for boosters? Um, well, as to the role of boosters, since you asked, yes, a third dose will be needed for someone who has a compromised immune system or is it intrinsically high risk for developing a complication should they pick up a breakthrough infection? For instance, an older person who's had a heart attack or has severe diabetes and is at basically high risk for a bad outcome, you might want to give that person the benefit of a third dose, even if there is no proven benefit yet. At least you want to err on the side of caution in such an individual. Whereas a 30-year-old who has received two doses absolutely does not require a third dose. What are you going to achieve with that? You're not going to stop the person from picking up the virus. We saw that already. We are not going to increase the protection from severe disease because the person is naturally protected from severe disease at that age. And plus, you've already given them two doses of vaccines. So my point is, if you want to give out booster doses, you want to prioritize those to where it actually matters. And that is where intelligent planning comes in. Okay, if I understand you correctly, you're saying there is no evidence to show that protection from severe disease has in any way waned for those uh, who have had two doses of the vaccine. Am I correct? Right. There's no evidence which is published or on the ground. People like us spend a lot of time talking with people and trying to collect local information to see, for example, among nurses, other healthcare workers, other doctors, because these are the people who got vaccinated the earliest. And these are the people who are also more exposed to the virus. Hmm. As of today, there is no report of people suddenly falling sick. Let's say, uh, imagine a hypothetical cluster of people suddenly falling sick with this virus. No, that has not happened. Yes, breakthrough infections have been happening since as early as April onwards. And they will continue to happen regardless of whether it's Delta or Omicron or whatever variants that are to follow. Right. Okay, but the Indian Express Group reported that there is a scientific consensus in the NTAGI, the National Technical Advisory Group on Immunization in India, that neither Covishield nor Covaxin would be adequate as a booster, in, in case a booster is needed, and that the third booster dose, when administered, should be of a vaccine based on a platform different from that of the first two doses. Is it because mRNA vaccines offer better protection as boosters? Right. It's not about better protection as a booster. Uh, generally, it is said that if you give a different vaccine, uh, th there is a, there's an opinion, there's, a, there's, a, there's an increasing uh, opinion, public opinion among uh, people who know about the subject that if you choose a different vaccine, somehow the response is better. Now, I call that evidence as low quality evidence. This is not high quality evidence. You know, in science, we go with highest quality evidence, medium quality evidence, and what we call noise, which is basically it could be true or not. Now, people believe that what's called a heterologous vaccine boost may be better, but again, does it translate to a better outcome? I don't know. But uh, what uh, the NTAGI said is true. We don't have any information, at least that is published and peer-reviewed, that giving a third dose of either of these two vaccines will generate a good outcome. Remember, we are focused on outcomes, on what happens after that. We simply don't have that information. Now, CMC Velour, which is my alma mater, I believe is about to conduct a, a proper clinical trial on boosters 
on those who have received covaxin so they're already recruiting people who uh, who will be given a choice of vaccines i believe and they and and it is only through these studies that we will be able to generate good quality information right. whereas on the other hand if you just go to a hospital and look at all the admitted patients you may come out with a conclusion which may not be generalizable so that's what i call high quality versus low quality evidence let's wait for high quality evidence while closing the vaccination gap to the extent possible okay and there is a fairly wide gap to close uh, i i would imagine if a decision is taken to roll out boosters and that is where the delivery infrastructure will be geared towards the ones who can afford to will get enhanced protection while leaving uh, the not so privileged completely vulnerable there are millions of people in india who are yet to receive a first dose and i would prioritize the available vaccines to these individuals particularly among those who are over the age of 40 and why do i say that because 96% of the deaths at least in kerala have occurred over the age of 40 and we know that 75% of people in india are below the age of 40 so in other words if we focus your vaccination on just 25% of our population give them the maximum coverage possible and that will reduce the total number of deaths in my humble opinion the biggest objective in the control of the pandemic is to reduce the total number of deaths in a country right while allowing livelihood to continue these are the two priorities that i have from all my reading and experience to do that we need to prioritize vaccination of this group now as to who will require a third dose again that depends on availability and uh, i know many many more vaccines are in the pipeline uh, people are working on mucosal vaccine that's a big Uh, area of let's say you know of change that's expected to ha- occur in the next next 6 months so let's take the change as it comes but vac- the booster dose must be given only based on intelligent prioritization not as a blanket okay uh, dr jayadevan give us a net net summary of what you've said so far yeah at this time the conclusive evidence or the high quality evidence of boosters is as follows if you give a third dose to an individual who's received prior two doses you will definitely as expected increase the total antibody levels and the total neutralizing antibody levels in the initial few weeks there is no doubt about that that's how the body works and during this window there will be a decrease in the total number of infections compared to someone who did not receive a booster dose yes that is true and the natural consequences of these infections will also be naturally smaller in the booster group but if you if we compare a two dose group and a three dose group each of have picked up an infection there is no difference in the percentage of people who go on to get a bad outcome in other words in someone who picked up an infection a third dose does not make you any less likely to die that is the limit of the published information as of today okay well even as manufacturers talk about developing variant specific vaccines and wealthy countries roll out boosters for its people large parts of the global south are struggling to vaccinate even small parts of its population because of the stark inequity in vaccine access it is in large measure undoubtedly the failure of wealthy nations in meeting their pledges towards global vaccine access uh, that have allowed variants to develop and travel It's a subject we will revisit in the days ahead. For now, thank you Dr. Jayadevan for aiding our understanding of the new developments. Thank you for having me. Thanks also to our listeners. 
I'll be back next Friday.